What up? Welcome to Homegrown Hustle, where local brilliance takes the center stage. I'm your host, Matt Eichmann. Together, we're about to embark on an inspiring journey. Our community thrives on the wisdom of insightful leaders that are right here in our backyard. And we're bringing their expertise to your ears. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or simply seeking inspiration, this podcast is your guide. Join us every week in celebrating innovation, guidance, and the power to inspire greatness. Let's explore the stories that shape our local business landscape, and together, let's ignite the spark of excellence. Jeff, thank you so much for coming out here today. You are a busy man and taking time out of your day to come out here to the Homegrown Hustle podcast and uh, share a little bit of your experience with us. We're just super grateful to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, it's the perfect way to spend the day after Thanksgiving and uh, rest. The wind's not ringing off the hook, so it's yeah. perfect time. So things kind of slow down a little bit in the business world when uh, holidays happen. People stretch those out and take that time with the family, which is always important. We got your son in the studio here with us, which is awesome. I'm glad he's going to get to hear from somebody else besides his dad how cool of a guy his dad is. So, so Jeff... You got a couple businesses running, you own quite a few properties, but your transition into being an entrepreneur and a, and a business owner, it's happened pretty recently, even though your experience in your industry has been decades in the making. So tell me a little bit about that transition of going from working with one of the biggest property developers in, in the Twin Cities to eventually starting as a one-man show. Yeah, with Thanksgiving just being here, it's I'm just so thankful for everything that's happened. And you, and you really kind of go back in all those memories of how you got to where you are. You know, like, how could this happen to me? And uh, I think it started back in 1990. I got out of the military. I was in the Army for a few years. And uh, one of my girlfriends was a nanny for Andrew John Allen. And he worked for CB Commercial at the time. I had no idea what he did. He did something with warehouses. And just a motorcycle, and he would tell me, take 694 to Shima Creek Parkway, we'll help these guys demo some walls, and I didn't know what any of that meant, I didn't even know where 694 was, I came home from the service, so I was a little lost, and quickly, I think he realized that I was a very, very hard worker, I come up from a blue-collar background, and I started out just doing anything I could to latch on to this guy's heels, because I knew he was going somewhere, and I talk about it a lot of my own blogs and things like that. Access is important. And I seen him as not just, I didn't think I wanted to get into commercial real estate. I just looked at him like as another father figure in my life. And if he's doing it, it's probably going to work for me. In fact, once I graduated from college, I was his intern in the office. This was after years of working for him off the field. I finally got to go in the office. I was going to take a job as a tile salesman. One of his friends owned a pretty big tile company. And they said, where are you going? You know, you keep working here. And you can make a lot of money in commercial real estate. So by that point, I had already had a few years working in the field. And he would go out and plow snow with us. And we'd landscape our own buildings, change our own light bulbs, paint walls. There's so many great memories of how hard he would work alongside those guys. And um, so then in uh, 2009, I'd been with John almost... 19 years in a number of months. So you got to think part of that was during college because 
I think I'd done in college in four years like the average person because I was working the whole way through. So I think it took me about six years, but I had worked in the field with John and then in the office. And um, that decision was based upon I just needed to figure out what I wanted to do for me and get out from under his wing. And my daughter was pretty young at the time and I wanted to be able to spend more time with her. And Commercial Equities Group was born, 12-9-09. I had no idea what I was doing, so I took a couple motorcycle trips and uh, thought about it. A lot of shops were calling me, finally a smaller niche shop, ERSI, Gary Nordness. I had just finished a deal with him, a pretty big deal with John Allen. And he said, where are you going? I'd love to talk to you. And uh, I didn't think I wanted to go back to work for another small company. I did. His son, Jeff Nordness, I knew him very well. Gary passed away one year later, and then it was just Jeff and I. We became partners. I ran that for 10 years during COVID. And then in 2017, I started purchasing properties on my own with other partners. And uh, it was really just time to take CG to the next level and just go out completely on my own and not be under the ERSI umbrella during COVID, which many people during COVID said, what are we going to do next? You know, they really thought Everybody did. Yeah. yeah. Where are they going? And uh, my wife thought I was nuts. She <laughs> thought I was nuts when I left John Allen back in 2009. But, uh, especially in 2020, with COVID going on in the complete unknown, I quit my job. I bought another building. I had to study for my broker's test. I had actually my broker's mm-hmm. license. I had sales license. And I did this all within a matter of weeks in the summer of uh, 2020. So for me, the memories of your code would always be the best years of my life. And that year was like incredible. Just a lot of things. And then I just soon realized once I took off and went and did it, like, I didn't have to convince my clients to please come with me or anything like that. They were like, yeah, let's go. And, uh, so just incredible clients, incredible people all around me in the sports system. And meeting you and people like you just continue to grow since Man, what a story. So. You've been in real estate space since 1990, you said, right? Yes, yeah, really. So I heard you say demo walls, landscape, move snow. I didn't hear a lot of, I talked to this person and we made this deal and we leased this property. Although I know it did happen, right? So how much of, of commercial property management and like that space is really all those other things that just come along with building? So, when I worked with John, he had just left CB Commercial, and when he started his company, I, just, I really, every, it's almost weekly I look back, like, how did we do it? Like, I didn't have to mm-hmm. really reinvent the wheel a lot, but when we owned properties, John had owned properties, I didn't know Every time you could do something, be your own general contractor, be your own painting, you know, make sure you're, you're doing your own mm-hmm. snow and things like that. In fact, I actually hired management companies initially some properties because I didn't have that team assembled. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that later why I had that echo. But there's so many ways in this business to become a better landlord for your tenants and also manage those properties in a way that you're actually taking care of the physical asset rather than spending money washing windows six times a year or something like that. They actually <coughs> take care of the physical mm-hmm. and keep your tenants happy. So there's a balance there. You have to find that out. So how do you go about finding that out? Because like, you can't do everything at your building, right? Yeah, it's a budget. So it starts with the budget. 
I know we talk about knowing your numbers all the time. For somebody coming into commercial real estate or just a business owner looking for their first space, what numbers are even important to think about when they're kind of taking that initial step in that direction? Well, I think number one, talking to a broker is always going to be important. I was working on a deal yesterday that we're trying to unravel something so many years ago, and then a broker spent like when you design a commercial space, it's not your home on Lake Minnetonka or wherever your home may be. It's not this personal thing. It has to work for your business. If you're building or buying a, uh, if you're building or leasing a space, you have to think about what you're doing for the improvements and will that will those improvements be able to be used for the next person? You specifically build it up for you and what you need. Number one, if you're leasing, the landlord's not going to like that because mm-hmm. he kind of wants a generic space that for the next person he can just put in carpet and paint and move on and get another tenant. And so when you start getting into these specific things like we're sitting here in this, this room recording this and saying, well, I need a sink over here just like wash my hands instead of walking 10 feet to the other side. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of tenants that think they need things. But in most cases, if you're a growing business, you're not gonna, you may not be there that long. Mm-hmm. So you need to think about, you know, do you really need that right now to uh, get your business going? And from 2020, I just had to go through that with my own business and figure out what I need for my mm-hmm. own needs. And um, so, and on the buy side, it's the same thing. You can over improve a building. It's how long do you think it will be there? Obviously, I think that people should buy a building if they can. If there's anybody out there listening that doesn't have a business, just wants to own a building and own properties, it's just a super awesome thing. Well, it is pretty much owning a business when you own a property, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is a business, uh, even if you use it for your own use. Yeah, and so often contractors think that everything that you do to a building, like your snowplowing contractor or the painter, they, they start to fall into this belief that, well, the tenants pay for it anyway because it all goes into the operating expenses. And that depends if you have gross leases or triple net leases. It could be different either way, but the truth is, is you're still a steward of those tenants' money, and the job with that money is to manage that property, pay the taxes, pay the insurance, and do the upkeep to, mm-hmm. to keep the building looking decent. Now, in doing that, you're still somewhat improving your, your building. If you don't patch your parking lot for the five years the tenant's in there, if you don't patch that parking lot like every year a little bit, at the end of five years, you're going to be putting in a new parking lot. Mm-hmm. This example. Maybe not five years, but it might already be 15 so you have to stay on top of that maintenance. And then you have to figure out how you get that maintenance within the budget. So an example is you're paying $10 in net rent and your expenses are five. Okay? And you run that property. Well, I own the property next door that's identical to yours. And because I'm a better negotiator, I figured out how to get all my services done for $4. So effectively, now I can still charge $11 People are still paying fifteen dollars total, but I'm, I'm more competitive. Mm-hmm. I got more room to drop down on the number, and so all the services that are provided that building, it's very important to, to know those numbers and, and really be in line. And that includes so that your top three expenses of running any property are going to be your property taxes, insurance, and in Minnesota your lawn and snow. If you want to combine those two, it's, it's really the snow is the bigger one. And so, you know, growing up. In this business, I think at the point where I, in 
2020 or 12,919 or 11,999. We had like three and a half million square feet. So imagine. That's an empire. Yeah, that's a lot of square footage to take care of. But, so we looked at it and we said, well, we can't run the government, so we can't start a tax company. I mean, property taxes are what they are. You have to make sure your taxes are in line with what they should be and often hire an attorney to fight those year and year on that fight them. But it's a negotiation with the assessor's office. And uh, your next highest number is typically, actually, it goes taxes, simple on that insurance. But these are your top three bigger expenses. And so the more buildings you own, usually you can find somebody to start kind of overlapping some of the liability that your insurance costs down. So there's somewhat of a win there, but again, we're not going to start an insurance company. We're mm-hmm. going to self-insure it's pretty difficult so, so those are two, kind of two of the uncontrollables. So the next big one is snow plowing and lawn mowing. Can you find the means to put a plow in front of your truck and you know, mow your tenants' yards and do that kind of in-house. Still charge accordingly what a commercial service would charge to do that. You have to bill it back to the building, but maybe you come in a little less, and that's how you become more competitive with your neighbor. Just another way to become more competitive. Because that, of the top three expenses, that you can control. The other two are... Yeah, of the top the three, right. And then from there, managing your properties, you collect the management fee, it's just an interesting mm-hmm. It's a percent of your events. So becoming a property manager is probably the first step, starting a property management division. Because if you farm that out to, there's so many incredible management companies in this town, but there's hundreds of thousands of doctors, for example, that own commercial properties, and they don't really know how to take care of them. They're just investments. So these management companies are needed on one hand. But if you can do that yourself, nobody's going to take care of your house better. That's just the mm-hmm. best way to put it. And then I think we're forgetting probably one of the, the, the biggest, there's so many legs of the stool in this business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a commercial real estate broker. And as you know, I've talked to so many people that want to buy a building. And I'm like, why would you not want to learn about leasing if you're going to own a commercial property? Right? Have some understanding of it. Become an agent or a broker so they can lease those properties as you can do human properties. So, those fees really do start to add up. If I can lease my spaces out by myself without having outside brokers, it's just more money in the bank. We love outside brokers. We need outside brokers. We love to work with them. Sometimes they bring the best tenants forward. But all the numbers have to work with that when you're buying a building. But if you can do it without, it's just another bonus. So there's just so many avenues to uh, create some income streams. So... How is it a common practice for people that manage multiple buildings or own multiple buildings to also have snow or lawn care di- division or, or a business that they run kind of alongside that? So I don't think a lot of people manage their properties or more mom and pop owners. They do gross deals. And they okay. just kind of do that stuff. I don't think that most people have the insight. Maybe that I was able to gain mm-hmm. years in this. Partners that I bought some buildings uh, this one year ago, okay? mm-hmm. they were gross leases. So we inherited these leases that are gross leases. So we can't adjust. When the taxes go up, our income actually kind of goes down because there's not big enough increases in the leases mm-hmm. to keep up with taxes these days. The properties are starting to work really well. We made the decision of 
buying a trailer full of lawn equipment and having one of our guys just start mowing those properties. In fact, some days we go out and mow those properties and people say, you go mow those properties? Hey, John Allen was painting buildings and still plowing with us all the time. I'm not against work. Yeah. There's always better use of my time. But I think that to answer your question, if people all buy that stuff, you have to be prepared that if you're a contractor, if you have one small building and you hire a billy on the corner to plow your lot and his truck breaks down, the tenants don't care about Billy's truck breaking down. Yeah, so you, you still got to take care you of it. You got to have some equipment at some point to kind of pinch it or have a backup plan at the very least. So it's good to have. That's what's, it makes the, the, the self managing more interesting as well because you know what's getting done. It's not, you can't say to your tenants, well, the management company screwed up. You are the management company. So, so you screwed up. And the communication's a lot better. So when somebody, okay, they want to buy a building and and use that to start to build some assets that are kicking off some money. Like, at what point does it make sense for somebody to actually use a management company? So, like you're a businessman. Mm-hmm. I mean, many people have. If you're the actual business owner and you're in a mm-hmm. building and you're buying real estate to run your own business up, it might snow three feet tomorrow. You may not care. You mm-hmm. know your business and when you're going to need to get at certain pieces of equipment. So, you can self-manage your own property if you're a small business and you're gonna, you're in the entire building or a majority of the space in the building, right? Maybe somebody's just half a bit or mm-hmm. a third of it to another tenant and you know that person and what their needs are. When you start getting into the investment deals, you have larger properties and multi-tenant tenants, and you're trying to run your company and try to manage that mm-hmm. at the same time, it becomes very challenging. I mean, tenants are like a puppet show, I like to say. There's about my whole career. The most challenging tenants were always my favorite. Like I, I always wanted to figure out what, like what makes mm-hmm. them click and how to make them happy. And although it becomes frustrating sometimes, it, it's really kind of fun to do. But if you're these doctors that I'm talking about and you own investments, it's not likely that you're going to try to manage those on your own. And uh, so currently, we only manage our own properties. Eventually, as we grow this, we might start to mm-hmm. these for close friends and things like that. But you got to keep your you got to figure out really what it is you want to do with versus mm-hmm. growth and growing our portfolio and managing your own. Building a management company is something you know, that that's a business you can build and sell that business at some point. So everything we're doing to build the management company, we're trying to be so careful to do it and do it correctly so that somebody can take that over at any time too. So. so the management company is part of a business that is really your investment side of commercial real estate. Right. The the backbone is commercial equities group, the brokerage company. Mm-hmm. I tell people this. I explain this to my team all the time. We don't have the brokerage company as we go out and I partner with the people on my team on some of these properties as well. If we don't have the brokerage company and we're going out and buying an empty building, a hundred thousand square foot empty building. Let's just say you and I work, we didn't know anything about brokers. Mm-hmm. We're about a hundred thousand square foot empty building. We're gonna pick up the phone, we're gonna call one of the big shops in town and be like, Hey, we bought a building, can you lease it? Mm-hmm. Like you're just you have no control. So to continue to grow, the brokerage is really the key to that because we have all the marketing and all the systems in play to, to be able to and the brokers on on the team to be able to fill mm-hmm. these spaces and also help other clients to do other things, but it, it really allows you to uh grow a little bit faster because we can find it you're motivated to find the deals a little bit differently and usually before we buy them we have a couple of tenants lined up before mm-hmm. we close 
So it's uh, you need all the pieces. Yeah, all the pieces. I mean, we're starting to get them together. Too, mm-hmm. So let's talk about your team a little bit because that's I mean you've kind of exploded since 2020 when you really went solo, right? Yeah, my intentions. I had started buying some properties. A very good friend of mine, Rafik Moore, and uh, he's the one. Who, I had lunch with him, and he said, instead of sitting down and asking how many kids I have or where I came from, he's like, "Why are we gonna buy a building?" And I thought he was crazy. I said, "I work for Johnny. I don't know mm-hmm. Johnny. You get the wrong guy." And uh, I think like one week later, we had a building under contract. So, the my intentions when I first left in 2020. To get my broker's license was simply that I didn't want to have to answer to anybody else at that time. And when I go back to 2020 and I think of the five people that immediately like were supporting my decision to, to jump, and this this was really the big jump. I think it was bigger than well, 09 would have been probably the biggest jump. But it worked out. So I guess the biggest recent jump is I didn't really get lucky. I just I remember going out in 09, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't own any buildings, and I had to start a cold. Because like, mm-hmm. with John Allen, I was working on our internal portfolio mm-hmm. to lease. Whereas in, when I went to ERSI, I had to go out and start finding clients where people on my team have to do that now. So I'm very mm-hmm. aware of how that feels to build pipeline and start going. Just build relationships. Yeah. But in 2020, I had a, and I a lot of relationships. A lot of, still have mm-hmm. just incredible relationships with people. So, as scary as it wasn't the same, but I was determined that I was no longer going to rely on anybody mm-hmm. for licensing things like that. In fact, the guy that probably would have held my license passed away about three months ago. And I would have been as busy as I am. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to study for my brother's So I was glad I did it. And I did it in like eight days. So it was pretty crazy. But anyway, I called Fiverr and said, all right, got a hold of Really? I'm sitting, uh, it's, it's COVID, I'm, I'm with uh, Levi, my wife, and by the way, my wife is a commercial estate appraiser and does really well in her own right, which also made it a little bit easier. Yeah, the time. financial. This time I did this, I, yeah, I, I really believe in delayed gratitude and, and live very simple. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I had a lot of fun, but I don't still live in the same house about 26 or mm-hmm. seven years ago. But I called Fiverr and I ended up, I was really pretty upset to be honest with you because I just paid for the uh, mortgage course and it was not $5. It was like $39. (laughs) (laughs) And they came out and somehow they put this blue M in the word commercial. The guy told me it was supposed to be a building. And uh, I'm like, this is fantastic. And even though I wasn't so sure that I really didn't care, Uh I just needed to get going. And when you start going, that means the good news is when I was at ERSI, they weren't on the World Wide Web or Facebook or anything back in 09. This stuff was this problem. So immediately I knew before I launched and told my clients that I was going on my own, if they were to Google me or look me up on Facebook, I had to be there. So that's why I knew I needed like a logo. And so I got that going. And then one of my dear friends, Anne Marie, had she was a she was in graphics and graphic arts and she worked at the Minneapolis Fair School System for a very long time, which is very techy and, and into a lot of that stuff. And I'm just not. So I called her and I said, I need some help. Can you just make me a, a web page that you land on it? It says commercial records group mm-hmm. in my phone. That's all I wanted. 
And then my family and I were scheduled to go on a vacation. It's a vacation that I don't work when I go there. I go kind of off mm-hmm. on purpose. And I went to the lodge to check in because she had started the webpage. And I think the webpage looked the same way it looks today back in 2020. It was pretty, I mean, I was just blown away like, holy cow, it looks like I really am somebody. So it was Anne-Marie and I, and the deals just started taking off. I mean, the response with my clients and everybody was just really incredible. So I immediately had to bring her up, her on for more hours. She was very part-time and more hours, more hours. And then I started thinking about really growing the company at about that point. Like, I think I could, I could do more with this. And I knew a gal who was an office manager for a title company that, that her latest job was as a title company. She was the office manager for my wife's employees a couple of years ago. Her name was Michelle, Michelle Grissom. And she's just super smart. And uh-huh. she really started to get me organized and get systems in place and things like that. And then my daughter Haley came to work with us for a little while. And then one of her friends, Mitch, helped us for a while. But we're really just putting the pieces together. And I'd say it wasn't until this last year. Oh, and then, so in 2021, I went on loan and I started with our uh, B&I group, which is uh, where Matt and I uh, met. So pretty incredible there. I ended up meeting a coach, uh, Todd Brooker, and that has been probably one of the, I've had a lot of incredible mentors in my life, and I've just been lucky, and it's all by access. And I wasn't so sure about him at first, and then the first time I sat and talked to him, I was like, this is what I need. It's free expensive. as well, Matt. And I think it's having somebody else believe in you. It's, got, it's almost just a genius, but he's also like a father and that he believes in you. You need to hear that when you're trying to be on your, when you're going on your own. And I remember the first time I met with him, I had said, I'm just going to do this on my own. And then I had Marie kind of doing the marketing. And I wasn't going to hire anybody. I was making really, really good money just being broke. Uh-huh. And it's crazy how that was like, really late 2020, maybe early 21. And he was like, why won't you teach other people this business? Like you've had all these great mentors and I've taught you like, why won't you want to show other people about this company? And I thought, he seriously no way. <laughs> and I think we have nine, 10 or 11 people now. I think we're adding somebody next week. It's just, it just continues to grow. And then along mm-hmm. came the management company at some point and the goal of trying to pick up three buildings every single year, which we just easily accomplishing that. So what are those, like, what were the biggest hurdles you, you faced? It, I mean, it's only been three years, really. It's like, it well, all... I think, I think, uh, it really started in 2009, uh-huh. you know, because I learned a lot working with BRSI. Uh-huh. I learned that basically their name, Jeff, my partner, was incredible, still a great friend, and uh, had tremendous insight on the outside brokerage, because uh-huh. I used to think when I worked with John, like, I'm missing out on the board. I'm missing these meetings at uh, Collier's and CB. They're having meetings and teaching people all this stuff. Until I finally got out on my own, I realized I know way more than all these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not just a broker. With all these buildings from the ground up, I know the management inside out. I know how to do the performers. I know how to do the budgets. Now, some of the stuff I haven't done in a long time, but I've done it. And it's mm-hmm. just like getting back on the bike when you have to do it. And so when my team's out working and I show up with a shovel, or a front-end loader, they love it. They're like, who is this guy? Like, what does it he do? And, you know, it's probably not the best use of my time, but I secretly want to be the maintenance guy. Um, <laughs> secretly want to be the maintenance guy. <laughs> uh, we're back to what I said. <laughs> Just to the other side of the But, so, I forgot what we were, we were talking about. 
you just gotta what were the hurdles that you had? Yeah, the biggest hurdle, the biggest hurdle is probably uh, the Department of Commerce getting that broker's license. I wasn't that hard. That was a test. I think, you know, I'm trying to think of the guy. There's this incredible video out there, but it's called Jump. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. one guy, so I love him for Jump. It's a, I can't think of the guy that does it, but it's just having the courage to say, I'm not going to get a paycheck every week and hope for a raise every single year. And there's, we need those people, and there's plenty of people that that's, they're content with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about me. I think it's that I grew up with paper routes and all kinds of stuff. Like, oh, I was trying to just figure out how to do a little bit more, do a little bit better. But the reward isn't the money anymore. It's the, the reward is the helping of other people. Mm-hmm. And so the hurdles are I've never really managed a lot of people. You know, I mean, in the military, I managed people in my squad a little bit, and, but I always worked for somebody else. I wasn't told what to do. And ES, ERSI, it's uh, Essence Real Estate Services, by the way, but that's what you call ERSI. It was really just me. I mean, I had them there for a little bit of support and some things, but it was my network of people that I knew, of, and not just in, not clients mm-hmm. in real estate, but my bank friends, my insurance friends. And a lot of those people work for a company for a check, too, so... Even today, when I'm talking to somebody across the table like yourself, to talk to somebody that actually owns their own business and does it day to day out, the insight that, that we can share back and forth is just, it's a lot different than your neighbor that sells insurance and makes a half a million dollars or you're selling mm-hmm. insurance for a big company. Right? It's just a totally different thing. So the hurdles are, I think, just having the courage just to do it. And I think, I think anybody can do it, but Really getting your house of cards financially in order, the earlier you figure that out in life, the easier it is to take that leap and go be on your own. It's the poor guy that has three children, his wife's no longer working, and he's got to pay all the bills and the insurance. He's got this super cushy job where he's got the medical insurance and everything. So for him to leave, he or she, it's mm-hmm. just very, very challenging. Whereas for myself, my wife was working at Wells Fargo Corporate at the time. We had great benefits. She did really well. It wasn't that hard of a change. No, I'll say it. I'll just keep saying it. Delayed gratitude, delayed gratitude, delayed gratitude. I mean, you don't need all these things you think you need. My boats are all less than a thousand bucks. So, but in reality, like you, you could probably not grow your business and everything just with the buildings that you have. Like some people would be cool just owning them and. But that be how they they live. Yeah. But still, you have this constant so there's, hustle. There's a few different. I was talking to my sister a lot. She's coming about this. Like, so where are we trying to go? Like, where are we trying to go? What are, we, what are the goals? And for me, the goal is just simply that I don't want to be. There is a difference between myself and you know, work for John Young. I love the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's, he was amazing. He took the chance on me, right? I don't think I'd ever get to that level. Like he's up there craziness. Well, you know, but for me, it's not everybody come and work for me and make me really, really wealthy. I'm trying to bring everybody on my team along in some fashion. Even if they don't really want to, I try to talk them into like, think about it like this, you know, from uh, my property manager people to my maintenance, to my maintenance people, you know, like this isn't just a job. If I'm bringing you into something, I'm going to teach you. And for some of those people, they're a spot in their life that they just need to access to me to talk mm-hmm. to them about just simple family money management. You, know, you can make an incredible difference. 
So the feeling of reward and making a difference in other people's lives, that's one big, huge, warm, fuzzy win. The other one is the knowledge that I have that I'm able to share with my clients because I've had a tremendous experience with Virginia. You know, when I think about my time in the military, it's all good, warm, fuzzy feelings. Now, the first few years, you couldn't wait to get out. But then you try to figure out why am I wired the way I am? What contributed to that? And there's a lot of things in the military that contribute to the way I think and the way I make decisions and that I don't ever give up and some of those things. And I also take the time that I had with John Allen and I'm always reflecting on, you know, I remember just give me five or ten more grand, please. I was <laughs> partying the money away. And if you didn't give me 20 more grand, I would have partied even more, mm-hmm. right? It wouldn't have helped. And so now that I'm older and wiser, all those things he was trying to do with me, they had a purpose, right? And even the things I learned from Jeff Norris, like I don't lose sight of that ever. Like, and Jeff's actually a year younger than me, but he grew up in outside brokerage and his dad was in the business. So he had a lot of wisdom from his dad, but he didn't have the construction and the management experience that I had, but he was able to teach me the outside brokerage stuff. Uh-huh. And so... I did brokerage with John Allen, but we were just leasing out our own properties. We never went out and took it on. Yep. Our clients were our own. Mm-hmm. We got very good at communicating with them. So as you continue to move in life, you know, you, you remember the people that helped you get there. And um, I've just been even backing up further than that. I knew on my paper when I was a kid. When I went to the river houses, I made sure I had 10 or 15 minutes to go to the river houses because I had apartments on one end of the street. And I had river houses on the other end of the street. And the people on the river, and I'd go into their house and say, how are you doing? How's your day going? How's school going? And I was just in awe that they cared. And they just teach you little mm-hmm. tidbits that I think all those things propelled them to do. Well, you're, so we've known each other for a little while now. And one thing I've noticed is how just incredibly compassionate you are. Like you're one of the most just generally kind human beings that I've met and it's it's not it's not to gain anything from it it's just kind of part of who you are is that is that natural instinct has that kind of helped in the relationship development that's required for commercial real estate and really that outside management you know I don't know if it's required I can tell you that there's Again, there's some incredible brokers out there, but most of them are just transactional. Uh-huh. So they have to keep elephant hunting. They have to keep killing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, I'm doing 100,000 square feet. I'm getting paid on 100,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. I'm at one of the big shops. I'm splitting it with a shop, and then I'm splitting it with my team of three. So I feel privileged to be able to do what I do. And, you know, I own my own company, and I get that the, the full model. The, the whole thing with help, I think a lot of it, also, I think there's some genetics involved. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like my family's both sides go very, very spiritual. And I did not as a a young guy, but I was always brought up very right to help people out and, and, uh, you know, hold the door and just do those basic things. I did not do well in school at all. I just didn't. I'd rather figure out how to get my motorcycle or snowboard faster. So the only thing I had was to be nice. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't the bright kid, but I was... My teachers thoroughly enjoyed having me in class. I wasn't a bad kid. Mm-hmm. I was a super nice kid. And, you know, my payroll customers, I was just super nice to all of them. 
You know, that's how I made my money. Mm-hmm. And then paper out's another just killer example. Sure, you get some people give you chocolates and chocolate covered cherries. By the way, if you're giving your paper boy, you know, not paper boys, but chocolate covered cherries are like can't hurt that good. I want the money. <laughs> give me a new bike. But I quickly learned, I realized doing my paper out that I made X amount of cents per paper I delivered. By the way, back then you had to go collect the money. So you collected a whole bunch of money and the Star Tribune sent you a big, huge bill every month. And you hopefully didn't spend all that on BMX bike parts. But then I quickly realized that you had a promotion out that if you sold 10 subscriptions, you get a free pair of Cape of tennis shoes. Back in the 80s, those were cool. So I just wanted the tennis shoes, right? And but then I quickly realized that selling newspapers made more money. I could go out on a Thursday night and I'd pay for Monday through Sunday, the entire week. And I could go sell papers on Thursday nights and get more money selling papers than I did the whole week doing my paper. So that's kind of where I got some of my sales training and, you know, very, very young. I mean, you know, seventh, eighth grade, pounding on apartment doors, people threatening to. Yeah, what, those, those, give give us your pitch. Me. What was your pitch? Huh? <laughs> I'd just be like, my name is Jeff Salzman. I'm with the Minneapolis Star Review. We've got a special this week for uh, we'll 14 weeks free if you subscribe to the weekend paper. And I still know it. And then we get in the car with the other friends and be like, I'd get three and they get two. And they'd be like, what are you saying? Like, you got to work on it. And we just change uh-huh. one word. And I don't remember it exactly, but we were very competitive yeah. in the back of the little Ford Escort station. Running around all the We went to the apartment complex in Pico Park because mm-hmm. they were and those people were moving a lot. So you'd go like right after, especially between like the third and the seventh of the month, because they would get in, get moved in, settle in, and you'd usually get some people just moving in. So we had strategies for everything. Fascinating. Yeah. That, and and you can recall it like that, which is kind of impressive. I yeah, mean, I know, but uh, also recall that report card or something like that. Yeah, but like that's not really important. I had good report cards, and that doesn't even, yeah. you know, who cares? No, it doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> no, it doesn't Except matter. for Levi, Levi, you definitely need to have good report cards. But, but my thing is, is that it was, I, I also didn't come from a family of money or anything. Mm-hmm. And by, the, by the way, commercial real estate brokerage is that. A lot of the kids went to St. Thomas. Um, St. Paul State had a program. I didn't graduate with a degree in um, commercial in the real estate program. My wife did. Many of my colleagues in the business did. I already had the job with the guy. I just mm-hmm. didn't get a degree. I move on, you know. So, but there is most families that are uh, well off. They don't say to their son like, "Hey, I'm in the military, and then I want you to go to St. Thomas and mm-hmm. real estate." But very few uh, veterans in the mm-hmm. We are the only. We're the only veteran-owned commercial real estate brokerage company in the state of Minnesota, and uh, we are the brokers uh, from Minneapolis School District. We're working on the. We do stuff in the local school district, and uh, we're about to get awarded our first government contract this month through the federal government, which is pretty That's awesome. Amazing. So, so serving our country, like you're using that as an opportunity to to get into these government contracts that kind of have that carved out, right? Yeah, and I never really knew that existed. I think I did when I first went to ERSI. I kind of looked into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I? Get involved in some of this stuff, and it was like just daunting because the paperwork is yeah. insane. And then I, I hired a guy a little over a year ago, and I didn't really have time to train him because we were in such a massive growth period. But I was like, go sit over there, here's my credentials, suit you, yeah. And, and he did, and it's been incredible since. So, 
Yeah. Fascinating. So I mean, we are all over the board, but that's kind of how we like to do things. So we, we've talked about a few people in your past that have kind of helped you get to this this stage in your life, but and like long learning periods previously. You were with John Allen for a while, so you got to learn really, really deep knowledge of that business. And you go to ERSI, slightly different business, and you had another great mentor that helped you learn that. Now you're in this this cycle, which I mean, you've you've had to shorten the learning curve for yourself and make it just happen faster because all these things are now again new to you. Does that ever become like too much to juggle along with all the other stuff you have to do? That's where the incredible people come in. I mean, one of the people, one of the gentlemen that works for me, is just like Jeff. You have this amazing ability to attract incredible people. I don't know how, but that's great. <laughs> and yeah. it seems to be working. Like, I really do. Again, this is me up to Thanksgiving here as we're doing this. And I just sat in a little quiet area yesterday and I was just thinking, like, how lucky am I, right? To be like, these people every day come and work super hard for me. And, like, gratitude. Like, why? You know, but what? And it's like, they're just, they're not doing it either. For them. I mean, they're, they're, we're all going to make some money. Mm-hmm. Money isn't what it's about. Like, we come to work every day. We do yoga a couple times a week. Like, we have fun around this. Like, it's not about, like, we need to work hard, but I really enjoy what we're doing. It's not always joy, and there's problems, but when we can learn together how to solve those problems, it's great. But I'm trying to assemble, assembling a team, which I know you've been through as well, it's very, very challenging because I quickly learned, like, one was great, two was better, three was fantastic, and I start to get to that range of, like, four, and these people need you every day, and they call you. They need to talk about something for 15 minutes, 10 minutes, twice a day. They need support. Yes, so. yes. And I'm like, I'm the guy that wants to help these people. And I don't have the time to do it. So I'm like, this guilt. I'm actually counting my fingers. Like, did I talk to that person today to help that person? You want to make sure you're giving them the support that they need for their development. 100%. Yeah. I don't want them to leave thinking, well, I couldn't really help them jump uh-huh. or whatever. But you're also trying to teach them to do stuff that you need done. And... Uh, that's where uh, having Todd as a coach and, you know, having friends like you that are in businesses that we talk about, things like this. Mm-hmm. But, but really, when you have four people working for you, it's not like, and I'm not picking on the, the landscaper guys, but if I'm a landscaping guy and I'm running a team of five and I am one of the five, mm-hmm. so today we're going to do this irrigation system and we're yeah. talking all day. This is like, I'm sitting in an office trying to, trying to figure out I'm the visionary. I'm trying to figure out how to make this thing grow. How do we find more opportunities to buy? We're starting a management company. The bank accounts. And I think the average listener is probably jumping out to go on their own. Don't ever let it hold you back. But taxes alone and bookkeeping, people don't realize us business owners spend like a lot of time making sure that that stuff is right and accurate. And you got to know the numbers or you're just going to be out of control. And you, might be, you might be just running a hobby and don't even know it. There's a lot of great things that uh, you can have a lot of these people on your team take off your plate that uh, eventually they can just run with it to free you up to help them. You want to keep, you want them to continue to do the small stuff so you can help them with mm-hmm. their problems. So we're getting there. So now you said 9, 10, 11, that's how many employees you have. Somewhere in that range because it's constantly expanding for you, right? So in another three years, and 
2026. Yeah, so Where do you see CEG at that point? We actually touched on it earlier. We kind of skipped over it. Like, um, you know, what keeps you? You know, why can't you just say, like, I'm content now. I have enough buildings mm-hmm. now. And I said, because I want to bring my company along and, and I want them to own buildings. I may have enough now. The other thing as a business owner is you got to keep running. I mean, you got to keep growing and running, or the tax man's going to catch up to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like some days I think, like, that's what's pushing me more and more. The, especially in commercial estate with the depreciation and everything, I mean, if you can keep buying buildings and get some of that depreciation get your it helps. My goal now, I'm 54 years old. I don't think I've done it all yet. I still feel like I'm like 30. But I will be a grandfather probably within the next four or five days. And I think that's going to change a lot for me. I mean, you don't have forever to do anything. I mean, I, have, I tell Levi, and he's sitting right away, I was sitting you guys, uh, he's eight, he'll be nine in January. But I have the next hour with him and maybe the next 30 years or something like that, right? And so we don't know when that's going to end. The cool part about what I'm doing is I don't have to stop. There's no retirement program. CG, there is. <laughs> I know the <laughs> But if I can develop a team, and uh, the good news is Levi's in third grade. He's got a few years of school left to go. So this whole idea of traveling alone or taking mm-hmm. three weeks off, like, I've never taken a vacation before. There's a reason to. I mean, I might go motorcycle riding for a couple of weeks across the country, but I'm working in between and doing some stuff. But these people that say, I made enough money right now, I'm going to go to Venice for three or four weeks. Like, I'd go crazy. Like, I got to do my stuff. I can't sit still. So, I think my main goal right now is to get the management company around a pretty small side and almost be hands off with that. I've got leadership in position for both of these things. Get somebody to lead the brokerage team. Where, by the way, initially I thought that I needed staff to support me. I was going to go be the number one. Broker. You're going to be the guy. And I'd have all these people behind me. And then that just quickly switched, like within a week, where I'm the quarterback for the brokers. Which things I know and say, I'm just blown away because they think like, "Oh my gosh, do you know what you just said?" And I'm like, "No," because I think it's like riding a bike, like changing light bulbs. The knowledge I know, I don't realize what I know. But anyway, the future plan is. Just continuing to help the people on my team achieve what their dreams are. And just keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, that, when I, I go for walks almost every single day. I go get a cup of coffee in my neighborhood. And when I'm on that walk, I'm often just thinking, like, how many people do I know that can just, like, whatever it is I do in my office, it can work out. We all know some days it's like crazy. You don't have a spirit 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Maybe not at that moment when someone's trying to interrupt you or whatever, and you're working on something, but. When I do decide, I'm going out that door and going for a walk. There's nobody that tells me I cannot. And when I go on those walks, I'm always thinking how grateful I am for my clients, the people that are helping me, what I've learned. This tremendous opportunity to, like, you know, I was just a little grubby kid in junior high that thought I was going to fix motorcycle engines or build something the rest of my life. I thought I'd, my grandfather was building lawn furniture and loved Mm-hmm. I'm working with is a lot of my family. And but I'm building things. I've built a lot of buildings in my life and now I'm building businesses. And, and uh, I'm just super lucky to be in that position. So to your point of building things, one thing that's always fascinated me about you is your ability to build relationships. Like you kind of sort of know like everybody. Like, <laughs> like you and at a high level in business too, right? When you're working in commercial 
real estate, either on the brokerage or the property management side, like you have to know people in order for your business to run, right? So that's the big differentiator between commercial and residential. I'm not, like I love my residential friends. In commercial, on a day-to-day basis, you're dealing with lawyers, bankers, and business owners. There's not a lot of emotion involved. So when it seems like I know all these people that are like super important to many of my friends and other businesses, there's a couple different reasons for that. Number one, when I was working for John Allen for 20 years, I mean, what a gift to be able to be connected to the people that he knew. And some of them are still tremendous, including John, mentors in my life right now. I have access to them. And, uh, I think access is probably the number one thing. You know, I got a, I got a, I got a phone call from a guy the other day. I may have told you about him. This guy's name was Joey. Joey, for listening, uh, he just called me up and he had heard one of my blogs on another platform. He dug into my, or, sorry, heard one of my podcasts. He dug, followed me online and dug into my website and started reading my blogs. And he just called me up and said he's got to be. This guy's driving truck and has a dream to get out of being a truck driver. I sat down with him for like three or four hours. And I'm like, here's what you need. Here's what I can help you do. And just, if he, if he keeps coming back and wanting to help, that's my reward. So I think that you create connections, whether it's, like I got connections from the poorest to the poor, especially because I have a lot of military friends that just really don't have a lot. But from there, all the way up to the presidents of the biggest banks and law firms in town, I probably don't need all the floor ones, but I, tr- I treat everybody the same across the board. I don't like incredibly you, authentic. You can jump out of your super fancy car, and I'm not going to think of anything differently. Other mm-hmm. than that. I'd prefer it if you pulled up in a 2006 Prius because that's a car I have. Oh, that's funny. So, you've mentioned access a few yeah. times access yeah. to people, access to, to knowledge, information, all that, right? So, for those that don't think they have access, like, what would you recommend as? You know, listen, when Joey left me a voicemail, he's just the most recent. He's, he's he just, just reached out. These things like. just happened. Yeah. He reached out and just said, I, I just got to meet you, man. And like, what are you saying no to that? Why did you put that? Like, when I did that content, including this, this stuff doesn't go away. I'm still listening to Jim Rohn weekly, right? As you probably are. He's dead. Right? So I remember when I did the last podcast or one of the podcasts I had done that, that this particular song, a few people fought it. Like, why am I like why am I doing this? I'm doing this because if it helps somebody else, that's great. And if it helps one, it's the old throwing the mm-hmm. starfish back into the ocean or whatever it is, right? If you don't want to. But this stuff goes on and on. Levi might listen to this podcast in ten years and be like, I was on my iPad and I was really paying attention. Yeah. That was good, Dad. Yeah. Right? So that's why you do it. And that's why I do my blog as well. But that, I do a blog and a short every single week. Tell um, us about that. Tell us about your blog. Yeah, so this was another Todd Rooker thing. He's like, you got to do a blog. You know, I'm like, you are. I got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> There's just no way. So every Thursday night, I'm tweaking that, trying to get that out. And I keep it super simple. Keep it really simple so it works for all audiences. You can't get too technical. I sign up for other people's blogs and you just you get it's nauseating. It's like a 
months being back in high school and reading my papers. Like, no, I don't want to do that. Just give it to me straight and give me some tips and I'll pick up more value. Yeah. So that's a way of access, right? When I say access, I'm talking about some young single mother out there that finally gets to buy her first home. Who's going to look at the mortgage? And I'm not a mortgage guy, right? But who is? If I knew who she was and she reached out to me, I might not be her exact answer, but I would help her. But I have the people that can at least, people ought to do it for nothing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to an attorney. Like, I got plenty of friends that like, help you out. Everybody wants to help somebody because everybody has a gift in some area, right? It doesn't have to be what your profession is. And so that's what access is. It's just some people don't have people to ask the simplest questions. You know, they grew up in a single parent home. Mom doesn't know. She just worked hard at the factory or whatever. And the, part of that growing up and not much for me, like I realize that. Some people are like clueless that those are things going on. So, yeah, picking up the phone, picking up the phone call. Uh, I mean, I, well, it's like, it's, it sounds like you're almost talking about access to a different perspective that's greater than where well, you're currently at. So, Two things I really believe in. Like, you have to find mentors, right? I can't be everybody's mentor. So, you know, everybody started calling me after this podcast. And, hey, you know, I can't, I can't help them all. But, you, but I can start doing podcasts that the people can listen to. I can't start doing blogs. And so I'm covering... You're doing what you can. A larger audience. Yeah. So... So... Maybe you, you want to come on this podcast in the future. And you come back at, and we talk a little bit more about some of these things. Because you... I mean, we talk all the time, Jeff, and the commercial real estate obviously is incredibly exciting for me and a lot of business owners out there because, I mean, that's where a lot of, of wealth lies. But we end up talking about so much other stuff that's more like parenting or like being a husband and just like those little things that are actually a whole reason we do everything else that we do. Yeah, like we're husbands and fathers, and you know, you gotta, it's all gotta come together. You can, there's some successful jerks out there, and uh, it's, I don't want to call it balance, it's, um, it's just being who you are. You know, it's really just being here. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, very often, I'll, I'll, uh, every now and then, I'll get a, a request for a proposal, or I'll get a phone call from somebody, and you know, Tell me all their demands, and I just kind of step back. Like, what planet are you on? <laughs> like, this is weird. And forget the human component to business. And that, like, yeah, or they're so they're so ingrained in their government job mm -hmm. or their, uh, you know, their, whatever job it is they have. They think like, you know, like they have some title that I'm going to pay super. I should be just mm -hmm. lucky to be talking to them. You know, like, I, that stuff turns me off. I'd rather, I'm just going to be me, and if you don't like me, you get the wrong guy. Yeah. And I'll just be honest about that. So you get the wrong guy. You're going to have a little fun where you get your money. Make some Authenticity money. really just simplifies things in, in business, but your authenticity seems to have so many people gravitate towards you. You're kind to see that. And I know it's true. I appreciate it. I, but, it, I mean, as a real estate agent, commercial real estate, like you need all these relationships. So kindness being and authenticity, like having those naturally makes it easier to do your job because people just want to be around you. It doesn't matter how good you are in school or how, like any of that other stuff we've talked about. Like if you can yeah. just be like a good person that 
like people want to be around. Now you can create that access now because now you create proximity to new perspectives, and that's super powerful. I think if you're a young person getting involved in anything, to continue to be genuinely you, you got to stay out of debt. I mean, I'm just mm. like, listen. Everybody becomes a different salesman when you get the prices due on the first of the month. And mm-hmm. you're going to push somebody maybe into something that they don't want to do, or you're going to be only aggressive. Or, but when you don't have the pressures of that, you can, you can really just be... Because that, that can consume you. It right. adds. I mean, when I was younger, I remember, like, oh, I, could not, I didn't sell anything, but I just worked super, super hard. I didn't need to pay the rent. But nobody needs a 60-inch TV. You know, Jim Rohn said, what's a TV really cost you? You know, how much time you sit in front of that thing? That's the cost, not the price. And uh, I love delayed gratitude. And, and by the way, when I say this stuff, I'm saying it out of wisdom. Like, when I came out of the Army, went to college those first few years, my life was a mess. I mean, I had a mm-hmm. person called me the world. So I'm telling you, like, now there yeah. is, you know what I mean? There, at some point, you're going to want to find a wife so you can bring your stuff together, a husband, and bring your stuff together. Well, like finances, it's, I mean, it's required in a family setting. It's definitely required in business. I mean, that's the whole purpose of it. So, like, starting with just spending less than you earn, that's a starting point for somebody, it's right? So, it's a great way to get your life going. So, really, just, like, that alone, if you don't have a business and you, you want to run a business, starting a business isn't going to get you all this money. you got to kind of start with a basis of something. So, some type of security blanket or egg. You know, I, I uh, think I'm a little bit different because I grew up in a neighborhood that if you didn't know how to weld by third grade, you might as well just get out of here. You're not mm-hmm. going to buy anybody. <laughs> like, so, so I grew up very, very mechanically inclined. Very mechanically inclined. And uh, I think my stepdad for that. And I probably had some of it in me, but I just wanted to take things apart, fix them all the time. It's amazing how that helps in business. I mean, just especially buildings that have uh-huh. mechanical type stuff and things like that. So along with your finances, like I Levi knows every tool in the toolbox, but to be mechanically inclined, like to be able to solve some of your own problems. That's why I wasn't an A student, you know, because uh-huh. I wasn't worried about You're solving your problems, not the ones that they gave you. Oh yeah, but I was home I was home after school trying to figure out like how to adjust a carburetor and get this little uh-huh. faster. I was learning what I was interested in. Learning by doing. It seems like you've done that kind of your whole career. But that's what you need to do to be an entrepreneur. You, gotta, mm-hmm. you can read all the books you want. You can get all the straight A's you want. But how you, to go start a company? You, you got to do. I mean, we've talked about this a few times on this podcast before, but like you have to do something in business. And then once you get the ball rolling, now having access to those resources that can provide you feedback on your new situation. That's where the learning component comes into growth. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And then, you know, hiring people that make decisions as well. Mm-hmm. You got to make decisions. You got to do things. And you're going to make bad decisions. I mean, John L. told me, you're going to make some bad decisions. Just make more good ones and bad ones and keep pushing forward. You got to keep going forward. You yes. Yeah. The other thing I tell a lot of young people is writing down your 10 friends. And uh, it really is who you're going to be hanging out with. I do it in my and B&I group. And it's incredible group of people that we're all striving to be better I would not say I would say 80% of the people in there 
It's not really about, they're not going to that meeting to grow their business. They're going there to learn how to, they're learning from others on how to, they're not going there for a handout for a mm-hmm. customer. They're going there to learn from the other business owners on what they do and how they do it to grow their business. And so, hanging out with those types of people, if you're somebody young that's working at uh, a typical job where you're punching in and punching out, who are you hanging out with at your break time? Hopefully, you have a podcast in it, it's Jim Rohn or Ed Milad or somebody like that. Like, if you just start doing that, reading a couple books, and start figuring out who, who do you spend the most time with and put those people on the list. I did it too late in life. We got a couple people that I had to take out, and once I took them out, I took off like a rocket. And then you just keep grooming that list and saying, the person you were with last weekend after the football game, and you guys had three beers, and you thought flicking off that car going by was a good idea, that's the guy that should be on the bottom. That's the guy that's going to prevent you from going higher. And so you just keep that list going and keep improving the people you're spending the most time with. And your life and your goals and the ability for you to start a business is going to increase just from simple things like that. Just proxy. And you got YouTube. Yeah. You got well, I things. mean, technology has made it so much easier to have access well, to new information, right? But information like we're talking about, these, these leaders that, and I'm not talking about the movie. Like you can, I'm not talking like Jim Rohn is a motivation speaker. You can listen to all that who rah rah, Tony Robbins, all you want. Tony Robbins is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. You can listen to that all you want, but like we said, if you don't do it, you're wasting your time. That's implement, like implementing it and going I, uh, out and executing something. On one of my walks the other day, I listened to a podcast about forgiveness because I had something going on in my life. I was forgiving a friend. And after I forgave him, I listened to the podcast. Like, I knew I was going to do it, and then I listened to the podcast. So I do things that are timely with what might be going on in my mind. And something like forgiveness, forgiving somebody for something, you don't realize the weight that takes off your shoulders, how it's holding you down when you're in the office working on your deal. Mm-hmm. you got something else gnawing at you. It's taking out that space. And yeah. That instead but, of thinking about a deal or, or your son or your wife, you, you're thinking about... Somebody that ticked you off. And that's not a it's not worth being it doesn't deserve that space. Right. Know? But I think the average person, if this person working on this job you don't like and you don't know how to get out, if there are YouTube videos out there that will inspire you to move on and start teaching you how to move on, if we didn't have that one, we had books. The books have always mm-hmm. But if you're driving a truck right now or you're doing something where you can have an iPod iPod in your ear as you're doing it. And maybe you're super happy doing it, but you got there's people that are very, very content. And I'm not taking away from mm-hmm. those people, right? I'm talking about the person that that I was 20 or 30 years ago, just totally, my gosh, what am I doing? Like, this is not working. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I how do I improve? And you just need encouragement. You need somebody to say, I'm proud of you. You need somebody to say you're doing an incredible job. Employees need that. And so, and by the way, everybody on my team is a business owner. They're not. You're constantly pulling more out of them. So is CEG currently hiring brokers, anything? There's any openings? Yeah, we have I think we have somebody coming on next week. We're looking for uh, brokers and property managers with some experience or somebody that has the ability to want to learn to be a property mm-hmm. manager. Good people are all over looking for jobs, but they don't know who to learn to look. You know, there's so many. I talked to somebody this weekend that actually it's uh, somebody we're thinking about hiring. 
she's had, she lives in St. Cloud. So she just had experience driving forklifts and all these factory type jobs that are up in St. Cloud because nobody's given her an opportunity to, to show her. Well, you might be an incredible property manager. Have you ever thought about it? You know, with a lot of money and budgets and stuff like that. Like they never, it's never even dawned on them because of the environment they're in and the people that they, that they associate with that list of 10. So, I mean, it's so powerful. And I mean, if you don't have 10 rock stars that are all business owners, then a podcast or a YouTube video or a book, like that can be new insight that now as you're acting in that way or learning, now you're, you try to, you have other people gravitate towards you because they see what you're doing. Like, it, but it's hard to have that, that type well, of foresight. But, but let me think, I think, I like the list of 10. Like, if I, we could do a whole podcast yeah. on this, right? <laughs> it's like, you remember when that girl dumped you, you know, back when you were younger, you thought it was the end of the world and you'd be at the parties with your friends, you'd be quiet, you just wanted to cry in the corner, like, you want everybody to have pity on you. Eventually, you found somebody else because they're not very good. But if you don't, every person on that list, as you drop that person at the bottom that's causing problems in your life, you're opening the door just and, and you're, you're growing and you're reading books and you're listening to those podcasts. You're becoming better. And so now you're, you're learning to associate with people that are a little bit better than you. You always want to be, you always want to be going for reaching for somebody like, like Joey. Call me. Yeah. There's a lot of room in between there, right? Yeah. So I'm, not, I'm not trying to put myself in that. I'm, I'm learning just as much for Joey as you. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a gift to both of us. But my point is, when he wants to go, there's a lot of changing in that list. And so time is one thing you just can't replace. If somebody calls you this weekend and the last time you hung out with that guy was like a 12 train wreck, you know, you got to be like, do I really want to go do that? Or could I do something else? And, yeah. Get that guy off the list. He's already off the list. Like you've already decided. Go hang out. Well, you, it's, it's crazy, but you think about spending your time like you think about spending money. I mean, that's kind of how you've talked about it. And yeah. it, like, and those friendships almost are like the different buildings you look at potentially investing into. Like, yeah, do you time, enjoy your jobs, or are they? Are they? Are, are they being, do you enjoy your friends being around, mm-hmm. or is it like having a job you don't like? You know. I, so, but that alone, like some people don't even think about it. They're just around the same people forever and just like let life happen to them. You could still love them all too. Mm-hmm. The people that, like I said, there's two that I pretty much got off my list five, ten years ago. I love them deeply. I care about them a lot. It's just kidding. Yeah, love them from a distance. I mean, sometimes it's best for everybody. And like hard decisions, just sometimes doing it creates that that movement in a direction that now if something totally changes a different opportunity opens its doors that would have never been there but that fear of of losing somebody or leaving somebody whatever that is like it's not like a bad employee that you get yeah. quickly like that contaminates the team mm-hmm. when you're dealing with a friend you just slowly don't respond to their text that quickly <laughs> we don't have to get into your strategy on all this it's easy to start people that my life has radically changed in the mm-hmm. last 10, 15, well, been married 17 years, probably radically changed since mm-hmm. that sells you pretty quickly. But there's people that I haven't, I haven't seen in 10 years and you know then they come around and they're like, what? Yeah. You know? You've evolved they, so much. But they still expect me to be at their same 
increase mm-hmm. that they were going and they just met a different person. It doesn't mean you're wrong with everybody. Just, I mean, we've talked about that on a couple podcasts, how that success as a business owner creates some distance from people that aren't business owners that may be your best friends, but it just puts up walls either between your friendship or how they, they view, view you. Like they're just not on that wavelength. Like that can be hard. It's not always. Sometimes it hurts. To con- it's, it's hard to have conversations. Mm-hmm. Four guys standing around the fire and nothing's changed. Them. They're still complaining about the union. They're in the divorce they had and all these things. That it's contamination mm-hmm. to me. I'm trying to think of like, I'll smile more tomorrow. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? I mean, being happy is, I mean, that's the KPI we should talk about in business. That's, that's being happy should... and trying to help others achieve that. Mm-hmm. Same. Well, that's where I've found the most happiness is like in business, at least is like seeing other people achieve things or grow or just improve themselves and me being some little tiny part of that. Right. It's just more fulfilling. Like making money is cool. That's what business is all about. But if there was no humans or no people in business, you wouldn't you wouldn't have business. You wouldn't have the money. Like it wouldn't exist. And then, and then you know, at the very most, too, it's just people believing in you. It's so mm-hmm. big. I mean, I still remember my high school counselor in 1987 in Oklahoma City. You're still alive. You know, she said, "This guy's not going to." Maybe you go to school and become an electrician. Not an electrician, but I'm just saying, like, I was like, I knew I wanted to be a businessman before I graduated high school, and I was not on the path to get there. Mm-hmm. And the reason was, one of the soccer players' dads was a Century 21 real estate agent with a gold suit and a brown tie. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was a real estate agent. I just knew he was a businessman because he wore a tie, and all our other dads drove truck. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, so you looked up to that. Oh, he, that he, could, he was always in every game. Whatever job he had is pretty good because he'd be there. Like Levi, for example, I've said to my dad, like, hey, Tuesday, I got ski lessons at Buck Hill at 10 o'clock. I need a ride. My dad would have been like, you better get your skis and walk up the hill and ski. The fact that I could take Levi to ski lessons in two days. Yeah, that's time. Yeah, he's going to go ski with the instructor. I'm going to make some phone calls, but it's all part of it. Weave it in your own day. And that's happiness and living. To a T right there. Well, when you can control time, like, I mean, not control time, but you get to work your work around your life instead of your life around your work. Like, that was one of the main reasons I could never work for anybody else after I saw that as a potential early on. The too is when your baby's crying, your young daughter, and, you know, you're like, that's real stuff. People are like, <laughs> it didn't used to be real, but now it's like, yeah, big deal. I'm feeding my dog right now, it's barking. Maybe I'm going be inside and finish talking to you. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I couldn't be in this big corporate thing, and you know, this I couldn't go on a show unless I wore a thousand dollar suit and tie back when I started this business. Hmm. And it was respect for the other senior brokers. Now, I, I think dressing is important, depending on what it is, but that brought me to too many shows with flip flops and shorts and more success. So, being me, yeah. So, I mean, all right, Jeff, like we could go on forever here. We're definitely going to have you back on here in the future for. Anyone that does want to reach out to you for local real estate or just any other questions you have for Jeff, like how would they? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is uh, go to our website. You can look at our blog, C-E-G spaces, S-P-A-C-E-S dot com. Or our main office number, 612-788-1552. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jeff. Really appreciate your time and hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend.
Thanks again for joining us on Homegrown Hustle. Our local business community thrives because of the brilliant leaders right here in our backyard. And it's been an absolute privilege to provide them with a platform to share their invaluable expertise. Stay tuned for more insight, wisdom, and inspiration from our local business champions. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Together, we'll continue to nurture and expand our homegrown success stories. Matt Eichmann signing off till our next insightful episode.